Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Sage Hens Abroad Pomona Student Stories from Around the World podcast. I'm Tashi, and today we'll be hearing from our featured guest, Michaela. Michaela studied abroad in Japan through the Associated Kyoto program in the fall of her junior year. Welcome, Michaela. Thank you for being here. I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background um, as a Pomona student, maybe what you're majoring in, um, and also what program you chose to study abroad and in what semester? Yeah, Um, so like you said, my name is Michaela. I'm a math major um, with a Japanese minor, um, and I studied abroad in the fall of 2019 um, in Kyoto, Japan through the Associated Kyoto program. Um, I'm also a member of the Pomona Pipster Swim and Dive team, um, and I mentor for the math department. Um, yeah. Awesome. It sounds like um, you have a very diverse set of interests at Pomona and um, also a very interesting abroad experience to share. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, could you lend a little insight into why you decided to choose the Associated Kyoto program and kind of the thinking that went behind uh, choosing that program over another program? Yeah. Um, So I remember my sophomore year, I was looking into different study abroad programs because I knew that was something I wanted to do. Um, And one thing I wanted to accomplish was to improve my Japanese language. And so, of course, I looked into the programs that were in Japan. And so there were two different ones. There was, I think, one of the programs was in Tokyo, and then I had the AKP um, one in Kyoto. And so what I kind of... I went to the info sessions and I thought like which ones felt uh, or met the needs that I wanted. So I knew I wanted to stay with the host family um, and both programs offered that, but the associated Kyoto program just felt a little more structured to me. So it was a program with students from liberal arts colleges from across the US um, and it was like an internal program at a bigger university. And so there was kind of that support system that I wanted um, when I was gonna be living with a new family, living in a new country and going to a different school. So all the um, classes were actually offered through the program. So I wasn't taking any classes like in Japanese besides my Japanese language classes, um, which I really liked. Um, just because I wasn't really confident in my speaking and listening abilities yet. So um, that was a big um, plus for AKP. And then when I looked at the ICU program, which is the one in Tokyo, um, it seemed like it was more of an independent kind of program where you register for classes at this international university um, on your own and you get to like kind of I guess you would take like whatever you wanted, um, but it seemed like it required a a much higher level of Japanese language proficiency. Um, And so I thought I'd rather go to AKP. And also as a plus, Kyoto seemed like one of the places that maybe I wouldn't go to on vacation as opposed to Tokyo. I think that all makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like you had a lot of really great reasons to choose that program. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I guess diving into the program a little bit more um, and the structure of the program, I'm curious if there were extracurricular activities built into the program 
um, or if you were offered, offered opportunities to participate in activities um, as a part of the program, um, or if the extracurricular and um, kind of culturally immersive activities that you partake in were more self-initiative. Um, yeah, so here's another perk to the AKP program is actually they have a cultural stipend that they give out each month. So they give you like money for your lunches and they also give you a cultural stipend. Um, I can't remember the amount in dollars, but um, it was enough to be able to go do quite a bit of things. And so those are kind of more self-initiated. Um, but I would go to like visit different temples or, and I would use the money to cover like my transportation and try different restaurants. So um, try new foods and then also to get ad admission to the different temples or um, shrines or like different um, attractions. And so I really liked that about AKP, but in addition to that, there were also some program wide um, activities. So on my program, there are about maybe 20 to 30 other students. And so they would take us all together to go to various things. Like, for example, we went to a tea ceremony, like a very traditional one. Um, and they kind of taught us more about that, like ahead of time before we went. So I really liked that aspect of it. Um, we also went to a calligraphy museum, which is something I don't think I would have went to on my own, but it was still really interesting to see, um, like just the history behind all of the um, calligraphy and stuff. Um, and we were also supposed to go on a, a trip to Hiroshima, which is, um, it, it was um, to see like the museum and the peace peace memorial and we were also going to stay on an island um, called Miyajima um, that we would be able to stay in this traditional Japanese inn um, and so I was really excited for that but the the trip unfortunately was canceled um, it was rescheduled once because of a typhoon and then canceled the second time because of another typhoon which is very just on brand for this whole year and semester so but it was unfortunate that we weren't able to go but um, I think for students doing the program in the future that would be a really cool experience. Wow well it sounds like it was actually kind of a nice blend of like self-initiated things that you were able to do and also structured extracurricular activities into the program. I'm really sorry that that trip got canceled <laughs> not once but twice and yes that's very on brand for this year um but thank you for sharing that it sounds like um aside from the canceled trip that it was a pretty well structured and um program that was conducive to exploring a lot so that's really awesome yeah I really enjoyed it um so kind of pivoting a little bit, um, you talked briefly in, in the introduction a little bit about your living situation, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your living situation and maybe what you expected and how it maybe differed a little bit from what you expected, or maybe it was exactly what you'd ex you would expect, but um, would love to just hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, one of the requirements through the Associated Kyoto program is that you stay with the host family. And for me, this wasn't really like a downside, although I could see how maybe some people would view it as that. But um, my host family that I got matched with um, what had a mother, a father, 
uh, and then I had a host brother who was finishing his senior year in high school. Um, and so we were pretty close, like closer in age than some of my um, classmates on the program. Like I know one of my classmates had two younger brothers who were like in their five and six year old um, that range. Um, but I really liked having my host brother be so close to my age because I was able to talk to him a lot about a lot of like the local culture and like young um, like what young people do in Japan and I was able to hear it from a different perspective other than my host parents who would tell me like oh yeah you should go to this restaurant like that's apparently where all the the cool kids go now but um, yeah it was interesting to see how he was doing school as well and then he was like also able to learn a little bit about America and like my schooling so that was a nice exchange that I really appreciated. Um, my host mom was a nurse. And so I was really amazed that she she kind of did all of the stuff in the house. Like she cooked, she cleaned, she would go to work. Um, my host father worked from um, home. And so he would always be in the house. Um, but yeah, it was just a very different experience from um, living in a dorm. Um, my host mom would cook dinner for me and breakfast every day, which was like part of the program. And it was just really weird because I feel like when I go home nowadays, I'm like, I don't really expect like a meal to be cooked for me. But it was it was a nice change in scenery. And like I ended up being really close to my host family and like we would go out um, together maybe once a month. Like they would take me to go view like the fall leaves or um go maybe see different like shows um in the village and so yeah those were really great experiences and I still keep in touch with them to this day so it, it's a nice connection to have made and I'm, I'm really thankful for um having that experience and I would really recommend it honestly to anyone who's interested in improving their language and then like also just being really immersed in the culture. Wow that sounds very whimsical and just like such like worlds away that we were able to do that kind of thing at one point um but I'm really great I'm really happy for you that you had that experience and that it was so positive and that um it seems like you were able to connect with each member of your host family in a very special way so thank you for for sharing that um and kind of in a on a different note um and I guess this could go along with your living situation but were there any adjustments that you had to make when you um, when you moved to Kyoto or um, anything that was kind of uncomfortable that you had to kind of adapt to or make a conscious change to become more comfortable with? Um, would love to hear about that. Yeah, I, I can think of a few. So um, I remember going being really nervous to go abroad because I would I was going to be the only Pomona student in that program. Um, and there was like a Facebook page for it ahead of time. And so I saw like there had been multiple students from like Carlton, Bucknell and like Bowdoin. Um, and so I was nervous because we I hadn't ha really had to make new friends for a while. And so, you know, just revisiting that um, it was really something small, but um, just kind of the anxiety before going was um, surrounding that option. Um, that topic was like something to. Um, cope with and also um look forward to I guess um 
Another thing that I remember adjusting to is um, living with my host family, like as much of a great experience as it was. I remember um, around maybe after the first month, just realizing like, wow, like I'm living in someone else's house right now. And I have to like, not only do I have to constantly be like on my best behavior and presenting myself in like the best way, um, but I also like need to be really considerate of these people's schedules and like um, kind of telling them wh- what my um, plans were and like my whereabouts, mm-hmm. which had been something that was new to me because being at Pomona, we're like so independent and we have a bunch of freedom. Um, so I remember um, wanting to go out one night to um, like sing karaoke with my friends and then I had to go and ask my host mom and it was just like even though it was such a small task it was like a really interesting like epiphany where I was like wow like I'm like part of a family now like I have to um kind of keep that into consideration um so that was another thing I adjusted to just because like I think around that one month mark, I kind of started to get not exhausted, but just like overwhelmed because of all these like built up, um, I guess, like keeping everything to myself. Um, Also, the fact that they didn't speak any English, um, I had to communicate solely in Japanese, which was not too bad of an issue. Um, I had been taking like up until the, the last level of Japanese before I went. And so it wasn't too bad. Um, but it was just like things you would be able to rant about in English and so easily like express were a lot harder and it took a lot more energy um, to do. And so that was something I kind of needed to um, work on. And so when I realized that kind of mental exhaustion, I think one thing that I did um, to help with that was kind of take a day where I hung out with my study abroad friends and spoke in English, you know, and like I was able to rant to them or I would call home a lot um, and kind of like revisit that to like, you know, ground myself in that sense. Um, I I also remember um, being pretty physically exhausted just because after the first month of being there, I had been wanting to pack in as many activities as I wanted. And I wanted to like, go, go, go every free moment I had, I'd be like, trying to find something new to do, because I wanted to make the most of my time there. Um, But I realized that just wasn't a very sustainable way to live the next few months um, of my study abroad time. And so after I made that realization, you know, I I made it a point to kind of when I was feeling tired, I would take that break. Um, And even though it felt like maybe I was wasting the day away, it like I had to keep reminding myself that like I couldn't keep going at the rate that I was. And so breaks were important and also like just enjoying the little things like if it was going to the supermarket like that was still a new experience that I wouldn't have had in America, like communicating with the cashiers and such. Um, So that was another adjustment I definitely had to realize and make. Yeah, I think I can definitely relate to that, that adjustment as well. Um, It's kind of daunting when you're in this new place and you feel so compelled to try everything new because everything around you is so enticing and new. Um, but it's also important to realize that you're a person and you only have 
so much capacity to engage and, you know, be a part of those activities. So it's important to, to also be cognizant of that and to take time for yourself and relax as much as you can. So I think that's really wonderful insight. Um, and just to take the pressure off because you will be there for a lot of time. So it's, it's good to space things out as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also think it's really interesting, um, about what you said about living with your host family. It's almost like, you know, I don't want to say that you're going back to high school, but in a way it's interesting because you are living under somebody else's roof and you are responsible for their schedules and their priorities as well. So I think that's a really interesting point that you brought up. Um, and I guess kind of diving further into um, the language acquisition portion of this program, um, you spoke a little bit about how you spoke only Japanese with your um, host family, but I'd love to hear um, a little bit more in depth about the language acquisition portion of the program. Yeah, um, so I guess to start, I can give a little background of where I was going in. So I had taken Japanese in high school and then I placed into the intermediate level when I came to Pomona and so I continued taking it until I left um, but I still was not very confident in my speaking or listening abilities at all just because you know I don't know that's just not my strong suit um, but going into the homestay I remember in the program's orientation they gave us a lot of reassurance that you know like your host family is not going to expect you to like be fluent and like they're going to be just as patient like with you as you will also have to be with them and so it's kind of a two-way street like um and I think that was really important to recognize going into it because I think with language acquisition um a lot of times we're not very forgiving with ourselves um and so that could be a negative side of like trying to learn language so rigorously. Um, and so we had on the program, we had some Japanese language classes that um, met every day. And so we were getting a lot of um, book work and like, you know, we would give li little presentations here and there, but a lot of the like speaking and listening comprehension all came from like living it out through the host family and through um, communicating with the community and stuff. Um, and so they actually had us sign um, language pledges, which made us not agree to only speak Japanese, because I feel like that's pretty unrealistic, considering um, you will never be able to like express yourself. But um, it was a pledge to try our best at um, or like whatever we had the capacity to do on that day. And so I remember a bunch of my study abroad friends that I made. We tried to um, we tried to stay true to that when we could, but there were some days that we just like we were like you know we want to talk about something at a more advanced level and we just can't do that in Japanese and so that was okay. Um, but I think living with the host family and practicing like speaking at dinner or in the morning at breakfast every day that was really what did it for me. Um, and when I left Japan, like my mom actually came to visit me um, on the last week of my stay there. Um, and so we had dinner with my host family and my mom who doesn't speak any Japanese. And so I was there like translating with them. And like, that was really like a moment where I was like, wow, I can't believe how much better I've gotten and stuff like that. Um, and so I think, uh, 
throughout the process you don't realize how much better you're getting but like towards at the end like you'll definitely see an improvement um and for me and I know all my peers on the program as well we felt like that was just such a like life-changing experience was living with the host family and being forced essentially to use Japanese every day because you know I, I like believe strongly that language is like a muscle if you don't use it like you lose it so yeah I really liked the um, aspect of language acquisition on my program. I can definitely speak to the if you don't use it you lose it um, unfortunately that's kind of where my Spanish is at right now but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so special that you were able to have this like conclusive experience, this conclusive moment with your mom there and your host family there, and you're able to translate so well um, between the two parties. Um, like what a beautiful moment that you're able to acknowledge the progress that you've made in your language. That's so amazing. Um, I'm really <laughs> happy that you had that. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess just like quickly to this just popped in my head because I don't know if I've interviewed a, um, a Pomona Pitzer athlete yet, but I'm just kind of curious, like, how did your coach take it? Um, when you told him that you were going abroad, was there any, um, anything that you had to, to think about or to plan for, or what did, what did that look like? Um, yeah. So I remember talking to a lot of the members in my class who were on the swim team. And I was like, is anyone else going abroad? And, and no one else wanted to go abroad. And I was like really hesitant because I was like, I don't want to miss out on like a whole semester and a whole half a season essentially. Um, but I, I talked to my coach and like, you know, I, I really wanted to go abroad and I wasn't going to let that stop me, but um, it was still a little nerve wracking to like leave. And then also to come back. I remember that transition being really scary. Um, but I think um the thing about going to Japan for me was that it fit really well in my academic goals and like my personal goals. Um, and it worked in a way that I could go abroad in the fall and then I would come back in the spring and still have half a season left and be able to compete in conference. Um, and so that was really nice to have. And I think for me, one of the big things with also with going abroad is like the staying in shape aspect of it because you know um for me swimming like I was always a year-round swimmer like I never really took many breaks off and so going abroad to this new place I was like this is definitely gonna put a little bit of a, a bump in the road like I'm not gonna be able to train as hard as I always did um but that was another adjustment I had to make and so to kind of navigate that decision, I remember um, setting goals for myself before I left. I was, I made sure I was like, I, I want to stay active. I want to stay, you know, try to maintain some type of fitness at least. But I always, I also want to make the most of my time there. And so balancing the two was, um, you know, it was a work in progress throughout the whole experience. But I think by the end of it, I kind of had it nailed down pretty well because I was able to combine exercising with a lot of the things that um, I wanted to experience in Japan. So I'd, I'd like go on hikes and I was able to see things that way and also like get a bit of exercise. Um, I also joined a local gym, um, which helped me to kind of experience that side of Japanese culture um, and meet some locals. 
And then I also joined a swim club through the university. So I was able to, you know, bond over a shared interest with other students there. Um, and so that was also a really, it honestly helped me a bit um, with meeting friends and like having um, some insider experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think staying in shape while abroad was um, one part of it, but then also like I worried about the part where I would be missing out on like team events and like staying in touch with my teammates. Um, and so that part was a little harder, um, of course. But when I came back, I, I knew that I would have like the same spot that I had when I left. Um, and so, yeah, I think my team welcomed me with like open arms when I came back in January and it was like nothing had ever changed. And so, you know, unfortunately, we all had to go home after the season was over due to COVID. But like, I definitely do not regret my decision to spend that semester away, um, regardless of being a student athlete. That's really nice. It's really amazing that you were actually able to incorporate swimming into your study abroad experience. I saw a couple of my peers do that with their sports. Um, and I think it was a really great opportunity for them to like further engage and immerse themselves in the, in the community. Um, so I'm really glad that you were also able to do that. Um, and I'm sure your coach was also very happy that you were able to do that too. Um, I, I guess just a couple closing questions. Um, first, I, I just am thinking, um, you know, there were some day trips and experiences that I partook in that I found to be, um, you know, extremely memorable and relevant to my study abroad experience. And I guess for, you know, students who are going um, to the program, would, are there any of those day trips or experiences that you would say, you know, budget for this or do your best to, to do this? Um, would love to hear if there are any. Yeah, so um, I remember, so I'm from Hawaii and so we don't really have seasons there. So I'm not sure if this was just a me not really being exposed to um, the seasons kind of thing or if it was actually just the most amazing thing ever. But I remember going to see the fall leaves um, in like various parks um, while I was abroad. So it, it came around maybe late November, early December, but um, I would definitely go and budget for seeing that in like a shrine setting. So at the temples and shrines, they have a, a lot of beautiful foliage and um, those turn colors like really beautifully um, in those months. Um, so I would definitely budget for that. And then also as well, I would see them at night because they have these things called light ups where they will shine these lights on the um, autumn trees. And so the leaves will look really nice because they'll have this nice, like almost translucent um, factor to them. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend seeing the autumn leaves if you go in the fall and then I've heard from my year-long friends who stay in Kyoto that the um the cherry blossoms in the spring are also something to budget for so um yeah I would definitely do that um and then I also took a solo trip during my fall break to um Tokyo hmm. so that was really nice because I felt like I grew a lot as a person because I was able to do things very independently. I had to plan, you know, where I was going to stay and like 
what I was going to do and how I was going to budget for it. So that was a really nice learning experience that I would honestly recommend to anyone going abroad is to take some kind of individual trip. Um, and then I also met up with people that I knew in Tokyo. So like it wasn't like I was completely alone, um, but I would definitely say to take a trip to another part of Japan because um, as as awesome as Kyoto was, it was, um, you know, this tiny little, um, it was a pretty small city. Um, and I felt like towards the end of it, I had kind of seen most of it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can have the opportunity to go a little further, then you should definitely try that because um, the public transportation is like much better than it is in the US. And so um, I would definitely, definitely recommend taking some kind of solo trip. I think that's really good advice. Um, also coming from someone who stayed in a pretty small city, um, but with great public transportation. Um, I think it's always great to take advantage of public transportation because inevitably it's going to be much better than it is in the US. Um, and so, and also just so many wonderful things around most of the program places. So uh, I think that's really great advice. Um, and I guess like as my final question on the topic of advice, is there any parting words that you'd have for students that are going to be participating in this program? Maybe something you wish you could have told yourself um, now that you've, you've done the program and you're back, um, would love to, to hear that. Yeah, I, I would definitely tell anyone going on the AKP program to really explore all parts of Kyoto and also one advice that I, piece of advice I would give is to budget your money, but also um, be sure to like treat yourself at least once throughout the trip. I know like I was a little hesitant to spend a lot of money on like single item things, but um, I remember treating myself to one it's called unagi don, so it's like an eel bowl, and they're kind of on the pricier side, but it had been something I'd been wanting to try for like weeks and weeks into the program, and I'd been like, should I do it? I don't know, and then I finally decided to do it and and like do that for myself, and it was like one of the best meals I've ever had, and so if you come across one of those things, if you come across like what your unagi don is, then I would definitely splurge on it. Um, because, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, at least I think it is. And um, I would definitely make the most of that. Um, and one last thing is um, for the language acquisition part, I, I like can't emphasize enough how much better my Japanese got. Um, but once you get back from Japan, you will have to do some work to maintain that level of proficiency. So um, definitely don't let that go to waste and do what you can to try and maintain your language, um, would be my advice. But yeah, for any student going abroad, um, just make the most of your time there. Um, but also pace yourself. I think a lot of the good times come from like, you know, those, um, really slow, like side street endeavors where you're kind of just, um, searching around the area, but not really with going in with a goal. So yeah, enjoy your time there. And I'm really thankful to have studied, ab studied abroad. So I hope most people can experience that as well.
I, I love the saying, find your unagi don. I think that's the best, best thing that people can do is, you know, treat yourself every once in a while because it's not so often that you'll find yourself in the place that you're studying abroad. So um, thank you so much again, Michaela, for joining us and for sharing your experience. Stay tuned for more episodes of Sage Hens Abroad, Pomona student stories from around the world. Please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have any questions, I would be happy to help.